Well, good morning, Missio Church. Good to see all of you. Uh, we are going to open God's Word now. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to um, 1 John chapter 2. Uh, we're going to be looking at verses 12 through 14 this morning. 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. Uh, I'm sorry, my name's Bernie. I'm one of the, um, the elders on staff here, if you don't know me. Um, it is a, a joy and a privilege to be able to, to gather this morning to open God's Word uh, and, to, and to hear from our Lord. First um, John chapter 2, beginning with verse 12. This is God's Word. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. If you would, just bow your heads, and again, let's ask God's blessing on his word. Father, we do come to you now in the name of our Lord, our Savior, our treasure, Jesus, and we ask that um, you would come to us now by your spirit, that you would speak to us, living words, show us the beauty, the riches, the rewards of your inheritance, of uh, what comes to us in the gospel. Got to pray that um, whatever happened this week, whatever's going on ahead of us in the week ahead, or that that would grow dim in the light of the glories you revealed to us in this text. And so now may uh, the words of my mouth and may the meditations of our heart be pleasing and acceptable to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Most of you know uh, that my wife and I have eight kids. Uh, for those of you who don't know, yes, I have eight children. And um, when my family travels somewhere, it is an absolute Herculean effort to get all ten of us uh, to the same place at the same time in one piece. Um, sometimes I think it would just be easier and, and much more delightful to hire a logistics company, have them get us and our stuff wherever we need to go. But, um, and I do have a few answers to the question, what can Brown do for you, if they ever decided to ask me personally. But uh, there was one Christmas, we were going to my parents who, who live in Pittsburgh, we were going to their house. Um, and so, uh, we, we pack everything we need for the several-day stay we're going to have there. Uh, we pack all our clothes, all the, the critical medical supplies that we travel with. We, we packed a lot of other stuff in there as well. Um, and we head off. 
and we arrive in Pittsburgh, and we're so excited. We bring our bags in, and after the initial, you know, warm embraces and hugs and kisses from grandma and grandpa, so excited, we begin to unpack our bags, and that's when, like, it just, the sick feeling in our stomach. Because we had forgotten my daughter Faith's pump. Now, this isn't like we forgot a pair of socks or didn't pack the toothbrush. Uh, my daughter Faith, she doesn't eat. Uh, she's fed through a, a GJ tube in her stomach. And so there's this pump that connects to the little port in her, in her belly and uh, pumps nutrition and hydration for uh, 12 hours each day continuously. Uh, without that pump, uh, there's no way for her to get the, the, the hydration she needs, the food she needs. Um, and there's nowhere to get a pump when you're just out there on the road. You don't go to CVS or Walgreens and, and pick up a pump. So every time we go somewhere, we have to pack her pump and, and her formula. And somehow, in the midst of packing all the essential things that we need to travel, all the important things, all the good things, and all the other things, uh, her pump was lost in the shuffle. The only thing, really, that we, we couldn't do without, we left behind. The one critical item, this one critical item was overshadowed by all the other, and I'm just going to call it junk, that we jammed in the van prior to leaving. And I tell you that because I think John has been impressing upon us the importance of several things. He's been impressing upon us the importance of a right understanding of who Jesus is. He, he says that's, that's really important. And he's been impressing upon us the importance of obedience, of conformity to God's law. And, and he's also been, been telling us how essential it is that we care for others, that we love one another. He's been urging us to write doctrine, to obedience, and to love. And he says we need to make our calling and our election sure. But in the midst of all these necessary and good things with which John has been equipping us for the Christian life, he doesn't want us to lose sight of the beauty of our salvation. He doesn't want all those uh, important things to, uh, to drown out, to smother the most important, the most essential thing. In this passage, he wants to assure us of the benefits, of the riches, of the rewards that we have because we are uh, a part of God's family. And he wants us to celebrate those riches the riches of covenant relationship we have with God. He wants to make sure that's not lost in the shuffle. And so let, let's look at this, this critical, this amazing, this beautiful prize we've been given in the gospel. You'll notice as we look at these verses that he addresses children, fathers, young men. Verse 12, I am writing to you, little children, 
Uh, verse 13, I'm writing to you, fathers. And then later in that verse, I'm writing to you, young men. He, so he's addressing these, these different groups. But I don't think he's actually, in fact, talking to a group over here and, and a, a bunch of people that are located here and then some people who kind of identify with this group. He's not tailoring one message to one group and another to a, an altogether different group. You'll notice that the three uh, groups of people he uh, identifies are three distinct life stages, right? Kids, young men, and then the mature. And this is John's way of getting everybody's attention. This is John's way of saying, what I'm writing to you, I, 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 everybody needs to know. Young and old alike, regardless of your, your age, your station in life, even your gender, come one, come all, men and women, young and old alike, listen to God's word for you. That's what he's saying. And you'll also notice that he addresses each group twice. Verse 12, I am writing to you, little children. And then at the very end of 13, I write to you, children. The beginning of verse 13, I'm writing to you, fathers. The beginning of verse 14, I write to you, fathers. This is essentially his way of, of shouting to us, of you know, putting blinking lights around his message of, uh, if he could, um, you know, if he had a computer, he would bold this for us. He wants to get our attention. He wants to impress upon us that this is a matter of no little importance. And so he repeats it for us. Now, you might remember back in the, in the 90s, I don't know if you do, but uh, the, the slogan of American Express was, membership has its privileges, and the idea was that if you paid the annual fee to Amex, uh, you got their card, and there were these wonderful benefits to be had. And what John is telling us in this passage is that membership in God's family has untold privileges. Belonging to God's family has rich rewards and benefits. And the first benefit he describes is that membership in God's family means forgiveness of sin. Look at verse 12. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Your sins are forgiven, right? If we are going to have fellowship with God, our sin, our guilt, our pollution has to be dealt with. Right? Remember in, in chapter 1, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we recall the Psalms, Psalm chapter 5 verse 4 says this, For you are a God who does not delight in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. Friend, God doesn't simply overlook sin. He's not some uh, doting grandfather who, uh, you know, looks at our sin, knows we're a little bit naughty, kind of chuckles at our mischievousness, but then kind of goes on loving us. In Psalm 130, verse 3, the psalmist asks, if you, O Lord, 
If you, O oh Lord, should mark iniquities, if you should count them, if you should take notice of them, who could stand? If we're going to have fellowship with the Father, our sin needs to be dealt with because sin has tragic consequences. We know the verse from Romans, the wages of sin is death. But, it, but here's the good news. John tells those of us who have trusted in Christ, your sins, they're forgiven. They're washed away. The guilt and, and stain of our sin, it's been dealt with. And let us note well how this happened. It says, I am writing to you, little children, verse 12, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Forgiveness is, is not something you and I earn. It's, it's not something that at some point we come to deserve. We, we can't pacify God, regardless of how hard we try, how sincere we might be. If we have fellowship with God, it is because our sin's forgiven. And if our sins are forgiven, it is because of the person and work of Jesus Christ alone. Period. End of story. Nothing else. For his name's sake, Jesus alone fulfilled God's law. Jesus alone obeyed the Father perfectly. He was without sin. But then, he suffered the punishment that lawbreakers deserve. He willingly submitted to the curse of the law for those who, who rebelled against God by hanging upon the cross for all the godless lawbreakers who would one day trust in him. God forgives our sin, not owing to anything in us, but because of Jesus Christ alone. I don't know how many of you know that old hymn, and can it be that I should gain an interest in the cross. For his name's sake, don't let that escape our view. What a rich blessing of the gospel. Friends, you are forgiven for his name's sake. What a rich reward of membership in God's family. And this forgiveness of sin makes another benefit, another reward of the gospel certain. And that is this, membership in God's family means the knowledge of God. There's a, a couple times in my life where I've had uh, a brush with greatness. You know what that is, a brush with greatness where you encounter somebody that's, that's really famous. Um, Confession here, my, my childhood hero growing up uh, was a, a guy by the name of Billy Owens. I don't know how many of you are familiar with that name, but he is perhaps uh, one of the greatest basketball players that ever played for the Syracuse Orange of all time. 
Um, after moving away from Syracuse, my family moved to Carlisle, Pennsylvania, which is where Billy Owens grew up, where he played high school basketball, where I, wa- I got to watch him win four straight state championships. And um, I remember the day where he was going to announce which college he was going to attend, and my dad actually picked me up from school early so we could go home and get the afternoon paper out of the box. I don't know if any of you remember that happening, newspapers in the box, you get it, right? Uh, But that morning, Billy Owens had declared that he was going to play for Syracuse, and, and my dad and I were overjoyed. Well, about seven or eight years ago, I was attending a Syracuse game at the Dome, and I happened to be seated in one of the executive boxes. And I look over to my right, and there, uh, not even social distanced from me, was Billy Owens. And I, I honestly don't remember much of the rest of the game. I think I just stared at him for the next two hours, which was probably really creepy, if anybody noticed. Um, after the game, I, in my nervous excitement, went over to him, stumbled over some words, and uttered probably some incomprehensible nonsense to him, and he was really kind to me, even when I did that. But here's the deal. Nothing changed between me and Billy. We haven't gone on any long walks through Onondaga Lake Park since, right? reminiscing. Uh, We haven't been texting back and forth. My my life didn't change in any fundamental way after our encounter. I'm sure his did, but no, no. (laughs) Here's the deal. John wants us to see that we're we're not having, in in salvation, we're not merely having some some brush with greatness, some, some chance encounter. We have an ongoing fellowship with the God of the universe that changes everything about us and our world and our outlook. Look at verse 13. And John says, I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. And then at the end of that at that verse, in the beginning of verse 14, I am writing to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. If we have trusted in Jesus, we have placed our, our hope and our rest in one who was with God and is God from the beginning. We know the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. We are connected to the one without beginning or end, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen. The one who has life in himself and gives life. The eternal one, the all-powerful one, the one who is everywhere present, all-wise, the one who is good. We know this one, brother and sister. This God, this treasure, John says, we know. We know him. There's not merely been this legal transaction where we don't have to go to hell and everything's hunky-dory. It's, it's not merely a legal transaction. It's not a, a, an encounter, a brush with greatness. It is an ongoing knowledge of fellowship with the Father through the Son by the Spirit. 
It's not some sterile legal declaration, friends. So membership in God's family means both the forgiveness of sin and the knowledge of God in Christ. But there's, there's one more privilege that John talks about in this passage, one more rich reward of the gospel that has been secured for us. And it's this, membership in God's family means that we have overcome the evil one. Look at verse 14 with me. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. John is telling us that as we allow the word of God to dwell in us, we're strengthened, and we have been able to and will continue to be able to prevail over the work of our enemy, Satan, who longs to destroy us, who longs to come to, to, to steal, to kill, to destroy. We're able to overcome that one. Sure, sure, sure. We, we still battle. We still fight. We still war. Chris led us in confessing our, our sin. We are, but we are not ignorant of Satan's schemes or devices. And, and thus we have the advantage. One pastor, an old, old Lutheran pastor wrote this, it is through the gospel that the Holy Ghost gives us the power to withstand all the attacks of the devil and to remain victorious unto the end. Another said, it is through constant contact with the word of God that the believer has communion with the Father and gains direction and spiritual energy for the battle. Brother, sister, what a gift we've been given in the proclamation of, of God's word as we gather on Sunday mornings, as it's preached, as it's tasted in the Lord's Supper. Hopefully we'll be able to celebrate that again next week. As it's seen in baptism, as it's heard as our brother and sister across the aisle from a, sings it out during our, our times of song. What a, what a privilege it is to have these means of grace given to us to strengthen us, to provide for us, to protect us. What a joy to be able to consume God's word with our family throughout the week as, as we're gathered around the, the dinner table, we're, we're huddled on the couch just before we go to bed because it is through these things that we're made strong, that we're able to resist the devil and his temptations, that we're able to, to, to fight the desires of the flesh that the evil one would long to appeal to. Church, John's written a lot of stuff leading up to this passage. We must wrestle with the scriptures in order to understand who God has revealed himself to be, who Jesus is. Sound doctrine's important. We must submit ourselves to God's law as he's revealed it in his word, not to secure his blessing or approval, but because we have been secured by him. We, we, friend, we must love our neighbor. But don't lose sight of what's been unalterably secured for us in the gospel. Don't let what is essential get left behind as we journey through this life. You know 
the true God and your sins have been forgiven and you are able to overcome the evil one. Sure, sure, the scripture calls us to do certain things, but only in light of and in response to what has been done. Don't lose sight of that. Membership in God's family has untold privileges. Friend, perhaps you're, you're not a Christian this morning. You've, you've not confessed Jesus as Lord. Here's the beauty. You can know this God this morning. You can have your sins forgiven. You can be washed clean. You can overcome the evil one, the the one who longs to destroy you by trusting in Christ. Place your hope in the one who came to fulfill all of God's demands for you. Put your faith in one who hung upon the cross to take the punishment that you deserve. Because membership in God's family has untold privileges. Would you pray with me? Father, we are thankful for the reminder of what so many of us know this morning. We lose sight of what you have done for us. For so many reasons, we get caught up in in thinking that we need to secure your approval, your blessing when your great and glorious privileges have been granted to us already in Christ. Our sins have been forgiven. We know you. We have overcome the evil one. Impress that upon our minds and our hearts this morning, and may we live in joy in light of that. May that not get left behind. Father, I pray for Uh, men and women and children in this room who who hear my voice, who have yet to place their hope in you. May you show them the the pointlessness, the folly of of doing, of attempting to, uh, to earn your favor. Show them your great blessings in your Son by your spirit, right now. Give them new life. May they hope and trust in Jesus. And we all pray these things together in his name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together and respond as we sing together, yet not I, but through Christ in me.